All right, episode 275. Busy day yesterday for the boys. You know, show. Public statements of apology. Well done, by the way. Yeah, good one. Episode 273, Craig dropped some very untrue facts. No, I guess I guess you can't say untrue facts. You say untrue statements about Devin Levi's loss to Norway. Yeah. So good public statement. Uh, I'm glad that you had me proofread that before we sent it out because the original statement said the reason why I didn't know that it was Devin Levi and I just assumed is because who really gives a flying fuck about the world championships? But I, I couldn't say that. I couldn't allow you. Well, to- I do because I want a gold medal. Not a big deal. Um, Thank you for uh, writing that apology for me. I appreciate it. <laughs> you are you are an incredible you're an incredible person for helping me write that and sending it out for me. Well, just, awesome. a cu- just a couple edits, a comma here or there. <laughs> I love it. I, I love will it. say no, this though. I, I, the, fan, the, the people out there, they loved it. They loved it. And, uh, well, you know, I think we, I, I owe one today too. I, 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 I let one slide yesterday too. I got, I well, got got by the, by the fake Frank Saravalli account. <laughs> Oh, did you? Yeah, I guess yeah. my 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 fact checking. I didn't. I'm like, where are you getting these facts, Frank Saravoli? Yeah, yeah. Frank Saravoli. Well, yeah, the the fake one. I the did, fake. There's account. no blue check marks anymore, right? So you know, do you have a blue check mark? No, I don't. Yeah, I'm not going to pay the not going to pay the eight bucks. Fuck that! It's not even paying the eight bucks. Like, try to. I don't need a blue check mark. Either believe it's me or it's not me. You decide. I don't tweet enough to need a blue check mark anyway, to be quite honest with you. So anyway, so I got screwed by the Frank Saravalli thing yesterday, but that's okay. It happens to the best of us. It does. You know, it does. What, what are you gonna do? H. Thompson was talked about being traded for a fifth round pick. So whether it was Dubis, some other team, I don't give a shit. There were talks about Tate Thompson two years ago being traded for a fifth. So I bought it. Whatever. You, you step in shit, you wash it off. Um, there you go. We all make mistakes. I'm not perfect. Someone no, you, told me. You know what? I feel like going back and strangling the person that told me that uh, Devin Levi, uh, you know, uh, re- looked really good in the shootout for Canada. They lost to Norway. And I'm thinking to myself, I didn't watch the game. I didn't go. I didn't go fact check it because I don't care. Okay. <laughs> I don't care. I walk by my gold medal every day. It's not a big deal. I don't worry about the other guys. And, and listen, uh, hey, I just for clarification, just because we broke the Eichel trade doesn't mean you should be coming to us for the fucking facts. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I, I'm not sitting. But I feel here. like strangling the guy that told me that Devin Levi was in net. I'm like, it's now. It's all of a sudden made me look like a complete idiot. And uh, well, someone but, told listen, you that? Yeah, someone told me that, and we were discussing it. Like it, it we're just. Dis- Discussing it like it happened because we were talking well, that about the Connor deserves- Hellbuck thing. I don't want to do the Connor Hellbuck thing. We're not going to talk about it, but the conversation moved from Devin Levi into getting beat by Norway and letting a shootout goal in to, to lose. And then all of a sudden it went into Connor Hellbuck, this and that and the other. And then all of a sudden the next day I'm, I'm talking with you telling you that, uh, you know, Devin Levi lost to Norway. Meanwhile, it's not true. Well, you I deserve, didn't, I didn't the, fact that person deserved to be called out by name. 
won't do that to my friend. I know you would do that. I yes. know you would do that for sure, but uh, no, I won't do that. I would absolutely do that, especially on something like this. If it's something a yeah. little more serious, yeah, you know, maybe not. Um, all right. Well, there's other news. Kyle Oposo has signed a one-year, $2.5 million extension to be the captain for another year for the Buffalo Sabres. Yep. Yes, yes, he has, but there's some some terrible news that went with that. I don't know if you, you if you uh saw that that he was uh put in jail and caught for stealing. Just walked right into Kevin Adams' office with a with a ski mask on and <laughs> held him hostage and he walked out of there with two two five. Listen. Boom, shakalaka. Listen, if you're if you take away his age, if you put those statistics on paper and you take away his age and you say we're gonna pay this player two point five million dollars who got you forty points plus last year, twenty-eight points the well, two years ago, forty-five points, last year twenty-eight points. Yeah. Okay. You're saying two point five sounds like a pretty realistic number. I mean, what did we just pay Zemgus Gergensen for the last few years, couple of years? Two point two, okay, right? And I was that was grossly overpaid. Okay. I can honestly tell you that when I when I saw the news from Sabres PR that Kyle Oposo has signed a one year extension, I the first thing obviously everybody thought was how much and and you knew coming off a long term six million dollar deal, uh, you know, in his age and all that stuff that he was going to his salary was going to decrease. And I went around the league yesterday, and I know you have too, and I've looked at several different rosters of players in very similar to Kyle Oposo's situation on much, much better teams. I only looked at players on playoff teams. I didn't look at players on Chicago. I didn't look at players on Arizona. I didn't look at any players. and I looked at players that had veteran players with lots of games, lots of experience, lots of leadership that could still contribute to their teams and what they were making. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. And I don't want to go with age. I don't want to go with where they're at in their career. I just want you to look at the numbers. 82 games, 82 games played 21 goals, 34 points. Oh, what is that? What is that person's contract? Let's say if that's a kid on an RFA deal going into a last year of an RFA, he's going to get $4 million, 4.5. Okay. This was Zach Parise. He made $750,000. He's 38. Yeah. Yeah. He what about great, this player? Had... 82 games, 14 goals, 36 points. Uh, Corey Perry. That is Phil Kessel making yeah. $1.5 million. Yeah. Corey Perry, I didn't even get to his numbers. He made a million dollars last exact year. Exact same numbers as Oposo, I think. Ryan Reeves points. was the highest paid player in the category. I went through guys that were 35 years old and up. Okay, you have the Paul Stastny, Derek Stefan, Derek Broussard, Darren Helm, Andre, uh, on, uh, Andrew Calgiano, Jack Johnson, Sam Gagne, Eric Stahl, Mark Stahl, two guys that are going to the Stanley Cup playoffs. Both those two players, 30, they're making, uh, they were 36 and 38 years old, 750 grand mm-hmm. each. Mark Giordano, uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, $800,000. Jason Spezza the year before was making like eight or nine hundred thousand. Yeah, he was making eight hundred grand. 
you know, Corey Perry signs with the Tampa Bay Lightning. He he's he's making he he signed a two-year deal for 1.8 million dollars or nine hundred thousand dollars a year. And you look at Trevor Lewis uh, in Calgary. He's thirty-six years old. He had a nice season: nine goals, twenty points. He's making eight hundred grand. My question, I guess, my only question is, why is Kyle Poso making two point five? It doesn't. It doesn't matter if you pay Kyle Poso five million dollars. You want to know why? Because they're so far under the cap that it doesn't matter what you pay him for this like one year. Absolutely, for this one, one year. year? For sure. It means, Where are they it at? means nothing. You've looked at they the numbers. They are, um, the Sabres have 21 players signed. 21. That is unheard of right now. Most teams in the league um, are are far below this. Um, you know, for an example, like Blackhawks have only 13 players signed out of 23. The Anaheim Ducks have 15. New Jersey has 12 uh, Detroit has 15, Arizona has 13, Carolina Hurricanes have 17, Seattle has 14, Pittsburgh has 15, Ottawa Senators only have 11 guys signed, Buffalo Sabres, 21 players signed. And they still have $17 million in cap space. So the point is, it doesn't matter what you're paying Kyle Poso because the year after this year, everything is going to change. Everything's going to change. You're going to have Owen Power on a monster contract, most likely. You're going to have Rasmus Dahlin that's going to go from $6 million to probably 9.5 to 10. You're going to have, you know, you're going to have players that just skyrocket in their, in, in their, in their salaries. Um, there is another, there is another layer to this though, I think as we sit here and dissect it and we talk about points and production and ice time and games played and, you know, you know, what's his contribution going to be. He still has game left, but he has a, you know, yes. Do I wish that the number was no more than 1.5 and as low as 800,000? I do. But do you do? And I, who cares? That's That's my whole point. It doesn't hurt the team whatsoever. Whether you pay him 5 million, two and a half, or yeah, or seven fifty. But Craig, my point is, is that like so, the highest side I was hoping for for him was just was one point five. I mean, that's a really cap friendly deal. I don't care about cap space and all that other stuff. I'm just I look around the league at other comparables and other players that are Hall of Famers, multi Stanley Cup champions, you know, things like that that are are in Kyle's position, making a lot less. Now, granted, they're on much better teams that have no room to pay a player. So the, it's interesting so, that you bring that so, up. Though. So hold on. So hold on. So 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 I'm at one point five, and he signs for two point five. These other players that I'm mentioning are not wearing the C on their teams. They do not have that responsibility. And I'm not well, saying not that, not at that not currently. No, but at, they at have, the time, they like have Mark Giordano the, was the captain of the Calgary I under, Flames. I understand that. Zach I, Parise was the captain. Greg, I, I understand that. But currently, in, on this particular team, I think he got paid a little bit more because he, because he's the captain of the team, period. That's what I think. That's what I think. Because where do negotiations on this deal start if they're at $2.5 million? I, I mean, does Kevin, what does Kevin Adams, where does he lose this battle? 
Kyle, I'm going to offer you 1.5. We'd love to have you back as captain of the Buffalo Sabres. What does Kyle say? No, I'm going to, I want three and a half or three because, or else I'm going to go somewhere else for more than that. The, the option was to, for, for, to, for Kyle to come back and be the captain of the Buffalo Sabres next season, not to come here and, and be a star player. So where, yeah. what, what the fuck is the negotiation tactic here? Yep. So, so <laughs> like, I get it. The Sabres have money to spend and, and they want to reward a player for a tough job. He's, you know, they call him fucking dad. He's the only veteran on the team, really. Yeah. Like the only true veteran on the team. When you define veteran, like, yeah, well, you got Jeff Skinner, who's 31. No, Jeff, no. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I still, I still consider Jeff Skinner as like a $9 million entry level player. I don't know why, because he's never made the fucking playoffs. He's been in the league for 11 years. He's never played a playoff game. So I can't sit here and, and say, wow, that guy's got years of experience. Like, like I played 229 games. I was a fourth, fifth line player, never played a playoff game. I take credit away from myself for that matter. I can't imagine if this guy doesn't care. Yeah. What's the negotiation tactic? Like, so I guess in what did you in, in theory? Kyle should just basically say thanks for you know overpaying me to come back next year. But they have the cap space to do. Well, what it. do they say, Petey? What do so they it's say? Not so it's not going to hurt the team. What it's they not going to hurt the team. It's better to be overpaid than underpaid. There you go. There you go. I'm happy. Now let me finish it with this. I'm happy he's back because I yeah, think so this I. team. I think this team desperately needs his. I don't, need, say, I don't want to say leadership. I don't want to say because it's such a boring word. It's like, oh, leadership. Fuck. Like, what does that mean? You know, his professionalism. How about that? Yes. How about yes. how about they don't need his on ice performance? You can you can insert a 20 year old kid to go and get you 35 points next year. 40 points. I guarantee you could. Yeah. But it's not even it's how many pre- games it's, presence. it's how he dresses when he comes to the rink, how he how he treats the rink employees, how he treats uh, service people on the road, you know, like in the other locker rooms, people at restaurants, fans. Those are things that you pay a guy like this, that kind yeah, of money. You want to know what else? Something that I learned from my older people that I, you know, Vincent Donfus and Brian Savage and Mark Recchi, I learned that thing. And then when I was the older guy, I, I did the same thing. And I, I'm sure Kyle Poso is doing these things, okay? Because he learned from somebody before him. And now... This very young core is learning and watching and and witnessing Kyle do things behind the scenes. Yeah, and, and um, we had we had a guy like that here my rookie year, and his name was James Patrick. And oh, there you go, right? He he wasn't making you know the same kind of money, but I will I will absolutely say this about Jeep. When you walked into a room and Jeep was in it. You didn't act like you were 20, 22, unless Jeep was acting like he was, you know, well, 29, 30, because <laughs> he was yeah. so old. He was 37, 38, maybe when I was a rookie. I'm 23 years old. I mean, like it was, there's just something about, and he didn't have, it's not like, it's not like he's sitting there with, you know, cup cups on his ring uh, or cup rings on his fingers and stuff. He just had respect. He had the games played. He had the yeah. professionalism. He had the he had the work ethic at such a young age. Like you'd walk into the gym and there was James Patrick crushing a bike ride. 
before everybody got in into uh, into the rink. And there's James Patrick opening a Tupperware container on the road because he was the guy that did that eat for your blood type. You know what I mean? Like everyone has a specific <laughs> diet. He was on the cover of the National Post in Canada during the lockout in 0405 in a yoga pose. He was doing yoga before players ever even thought about yeah. doing yoga because he did what he had to do to play as long as he could. Yeah. And he tried different things. I'll tell you a quick story about Jeep. Jeep drove from Winnipeg to Buffalo, straight shot, 24 hours, didn't sleep, filled up for gas, showed up to the to the North Town Center and skated, got right out of his car and skated. And he sits down on the bench next to me, goes, Petey, I just got in from Winnipeg. I'm like, oh, yeah, where'd you stop on the way? He goes, no, I drove right through. I'm like, what's the drive? He goes, 24 hours. I said, and you're here? He goes, yeah, I could. I didn't want to miss the skate. I was 20. 26 at the time, 25, and I'm thinking. But is he not one of the biggest whack jobs you've ever met in your entire life? I would have been fucking home in bed for the next two days. Greatest man ever. He coached me here in Buffalo, and I I loved him. He is the most passionate breaking man I've ever seen in the game of hockey. Super intense. He is so driven. Super intense. Great, great word for him. Super 1,280 games James Patrick played. 639 points. Guy's an absolute rock star. He... He treated his body like a temple. He did things that were mind-boggling. But my point is, when you got here, you immediately saw James Patrick and the way that he walked around the room, the way that he treated trainers, the way that he prepared everything in the morning, after, and, and you took all of that in. And this is the point I'm talking about Kyle Poso. So I sit here and I and and I gave the analogy that I you know he was robbing the bank with the ski mask in uh, Kevin Adams' office. Point is, he's more than worthy of the uh, the money that he's being paid. I'm very pleased that he's coming back. Um, this is a very very young talented hockey group that has a lot to learn, and it's not just on the ice that I'm talking about. It's off the ice how you treat people, how you deal with adversity and going through your ups and downs. Kyle is literally the person that you want around this young and this young group that is like a sponge. And it's good to have him back. He's, he's, He's a great player. He's a great person. And this is what Kevin Adams wants around his young core because this young core is ready to explode. And Kyle is not the forefront. He's not the guy leading the charge. Kyle Poso right now understands that his job is to support these young stars and let them do what they have to do. Make sure sure that their minds are oiled and ready to go. And good to have him back. It was a no brainer. He was coming back. No one, no one ever thought that he wasn't. So I guess when you have that much money, you can, you can overpay a guy who's, who's doing a tough job. I mean, it's not easy being a, a, a sole veteran on a team. Um, it, will this be his last year? You think, or is next uh, year going to be the year where he, he no, makes his, I listen, you know, I mean, million dollars? 
I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I think, uh, with, with Kyle, it, uh, I think he, he's played a long time in this league. Like he's, he's coming up on a thousand games. He's coming up on a thousand games. Um, I think a thousand games is an incredible, incredible milestone. He'll play his a thousand game. And I would imagine, um, he's going to, he's going to take it one year at a time. He's going to see how his body is. Number one, I think he feels really good right now. And number two, it's the most important thing is the mental state. And here's where, you know, I can, I can talk to, I can talk to, to the way that I felt um, when I was at the, the end of my career, when I was 36 years old and I retired, I had the opportunity to play in the NHL another year. I would have had to move away from Buffalo, but I could have played another year in the NHL. I chose not to. Because my mental state was not where it where it needed to be, okay? And and the, and what I'm saying is, I had three kids at the time, and they needed my time more. My entire life was all about me. It was all about me. My wife supported me in everything that that I did, all the training and and the things that I had to do. And then there's a point in time in, in, in a man's life where hockey does not become the focus. Okay. And that's where I got to. I was not able mentally to give what I had to give to be pre- prepared mentally and physically how I had to train to make sure I was ready to go for the next season. And I, I chose not to walk away, not because I couldn't play. It was because in my life at that time, I was ready to move on and give that time to my kids, more time to my kids. And that's, that's, and, and Kyle, what you're uh, saying a is lot Kyle's of these, selfish. Yeah. He's selfish. That's basically selfish. Yeah. That's exactly what I said, but you get what I'm saying. I get, um, I get what you're but saying. But he's, he's still healthy. He's playing well. The team is playing well. The team is going to hopefully do some amazing things. And I think, I think Kyle wants to be a part of that. I don't think anybody saw the Florida Panthers making it to the Stanley cup. They, no one saw them beating Boston. No one picked them to beat Toronto. And I don't think anybody picked them to beat Carolina. So they didn't beat Carolina. They swept well, the number two team use... in the league. It's interesting that you say that because Rod Brindamore um, basically quoted saying, the unfortunate part of this is we're going to look back and everyone's going to say we got swept and that's not what happened. And I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? Last time I looked, it said 4 nothing. Yeah, what does that mean? Well, I think now that I'm done being a dick, I think what that means is this series could have gone either way. I mean, you look at that game one, if Carolina wins that that emotional overtime game, I mean, who knows what happens? Not getting ahead of uh, myself, but let's just say Florida Panthers do win. How do you choose out of Matthew Kachuk and Sergey Bobrovsky? It's already over. Bobrovsky. It's 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 already over. If the Florida Panthers win the Stanley Cup, yes, it's going to be because of both of those players. Yeah, no question. Okay. 
No question. But, but Matthew Kachuk is going to be the Conn Smythe Trophy winner. There's no other way around it. Okay. I, I'm, I am shocked, beyond shocked, that you basically just said that. And I'm going to tell you why. Now, I agree with you. Because I've been on like Team this, Bob the whole time? You, you've been on Team Bob. I've been on Matthew Kachuk. The, the 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 bandwagon guys the guy won he scored two overtime goals okay two overtime goals and on top of that he scores with four seconds left to win the game on a power play okay and and I think to myself man they can't they can't do this without Matthew Matthew Kachuk what he does each and every shift it's it's he is he is glaring every time he's on the ice. Here's where I stop myself just for a second. And I started thinking about this this morning because I started to look it up. Okay. Name me name me a, uh, a team that has won a Stanley Cup without great goaltending. Like I mean superior goaltending. Sergey Bobrovsky is backstopping the wild card two team that had 90 points this year, the lowest point out of any team in the Stanley cup playoffs. They were one point ahead, one point ahead. He let, in three, goals. He let in three goals last night, completely fucked himself. Um, On 39 shots too. Yeah. I mean, like, Listen, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Terrible. Right. Yeah, awful performance. Some of the saves he was making last night. All I'm saying, this guy is this insane. guy is unbelievable. So what I'm what I'm trying to say is, what if Suri Bobrovsky was not in Nets? And let's just say hypothetically, Bob was hurt, and they have the Lions, the Lions kid who played very well at the end of the season to get Florida into the playoffs, and and the Lions kid starts to falter just like he did in the first round. Okay. Are they where they are at without Bob Roski? I don't think they are. I think Bob Roski, Sergey Bobrovsky, has been absolutely clear-cut number one goaltender in the playoffs. Nobody has even come close. So when you sit and you think about who are the Con Smythe people, you have to have Matthew Kachuk and you have to have Sergey Bobrovsky. The question I have for you, when you think of those two hockey players, which one is more valuable to this cup run? Kachuk. Matthew Kachuk, because he has played every single game. Bobrovsky didn't start the playoffs. So Okay, okay. But Lions started the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And then lost like a number of games, lost three games in the first round. So it was three to one. Bob Roski comes in and they win three straight games and knock off the president's trophy winners. They go into the second round and the Toronto Maple Leafs, one of the best scoring teams in the NHL, the number fourth ranked team in the NHL gets spanked in five games. Then you have the number two team in the NHL, 
the number two team in the NHL all year long, they meet in the cup finals and they sweep them. Bob Roski was insane in this series. He's been insane since he's come in. I think he's like 11 and one or something like that. Yeah. He's, yeah. I, I looked up Petey. I looked up. Has there ever been a con Smythe trophy that has been given to two players that has been shared? I, not that I've ever heard of. I looked all the way back to 1965 with Jean Beliveau and it has never been shared before. I'll tell you this right now, if Matthew Kachuk and Sergey Bobrovsky continue on their path with this team and they, they do win the Stanley Cup, I do not know. It, I've watched I've watched a lot of hockey over the last 30 plus years, 40 years, okay? 40 years of watching hockey, Stanley Cup hockey. I don't think I, I can't remember the last time I've missed a Stanley Cup game. I get choked up when I watch these guys carry the cup around. I'll tell you this, I have never seen I have never seen anything like this that you have two players that are so glaring on one team that you can't pick one over the other. Well, you know what? You keep saying like they should win it if they that that one of these guys should be chosen for the Conn Smythe if they win the trophy, if they win the Stanley Cup. It's not like they can't win it if they lose. I mean, there's nobody on Vegas there's no You're one on Vegas right. that's outperforming. And if this series goes seven and these two guys are studs and some of the other if, players on Vegas win, but it's it's who a are you picking effort. on Vegas if if Jack if, Eichel. If, if you're picking Jack Eichel. And I've watched Jack Eichel in all the games. He's been unbelievable. He's been, no, no, no. He hasn't been unbelievable. Yes, he has. No, he hasn't. Yes, he he's has. been very good. He's okay. been very good. Okay. I don't listen, Bob Roski's unbelievable. Matthew Kachuk is unbelievable. Jack Eichel's played very well. Jack Eichel's played very well. He hasn't he hasn't done things for his team that is no different than than Mark Stone. He has not done for his team what Matthew Kachuk has done for his. There's no question. That's what I'm saying. Jack Eichel's played very well for his team. They have won games throughout this playoffs. I'm going to tell you right now. Go and go and watch. Well, you've watched this. Will Carrier. Hegan. Colsar. That fourth line on Vegas is insanely noticeable. Every time they're on the ice, they're making something happen, not only in the defensive zone, not only physically, but they're actually like they're producing scoring chances and they're just playing very well. Like Vegas Golden Knights are a team that are that are four lines deep and six defense deep, and they have a a fourth-string goaltender. It'd be like bringing up Markham Subang from the minors and having him backstop your team to a Stanley Cup final. But all I'm saying is Jack Eichel has not blown everybody out of the water. I've watched all his games. He's played very well. You know what? Know what the one of the biggest thing I've noticed with Jack Eichel? It's not his offense. His offense is he's always going to have. He's had it since he put it on skates. Man, the kid has been a genetic freak for years offensively, but he lacked defensive awareness. 
when he was here in Buffalo, it was one of the one things that stuck out like a sore thumb is how little he wanted to play defense. Right now, he looks like Patrice Bergeron. I'm not even kidding you. People are like laughing right now. Oh, you're you freaking kidding me. No, I'm not kidding you. Jack Eichel plays defense like he actually cares. Like he cares about his defensive side of the game more than his offense. And that's a dangerous damn player because the offensive, the awesome offensive part of his game is very, very easy to him. That being said, I'll go back and say it again. Jack Eichel's played very well. But if you're going to sit there and tell me he's played like a Con Smythe winner, I, I, do, I don't see it. I don't see it. Matthew Kachuk and Sergey Bobrovsky have single-handedly propelled the energy of their team to something very special. Knocked off the number one, the number two, and the number four ranked team in the NHL. And now they're most likely going to play the number one team from the Western Conference. Man, these guys, I don't think you can pick anybody but those two guys. So it'll be it'll be very what, interesting. What'd you think of the goalie challenge last night before we get out of here? Right call? I, I thought I was worried there for a second that they might have got him because it looked like he jabbed him right between the legs. Yes. Um it was, you know, the blade of his stick. He jammed it between his legs. I mean, he I don't think he there. jammed it. Between his was, legs on purpose. Okay. Um, I think when he drove the net, kind of almost like got his stick stuck between the legs, but he did not bump the goaltender at all with his body. His defenseman, or maybe it was a forward, slid into Anderson and prohibited from him actually it making was, uh, a Pesci. Move. I think it was Pesci. Pesci. Okay. And then, listen, I mean, Matthew Kachuk, 95% of players in the league would have shot it right away, but Matthew Kachuk made an extra, he, he looked like he was going to shoot, realized he needed to change the angle, which not a lot of players would have done, and shot it in an open net. And it looks really easy, but it is absolutely not. And that's why he is next level right now. How about the hit Sam Bennett put on Slavin? Clean is all Holy clean. Shit. Clean is all clean. Listen, I mean, it was as clean as you can possibly get. Sam Bennett was crunched down. He knew he was going to place a hit. He placed his shoulder directly into the chest of, of Slavin. The problem with it is both, both of the two um, heads collided because, like, I mean, it's almost impossible. You can't make a hit without having some sort of collision. And the two heads collided. Slavin was out. Very, you know, you hate to see it. I've been there before. I remember got getting hit. Well, actually, I don't remember getting hit. I saw it actually on a video afterwards, but I got hit by uh, Grant Marshall from the Dallas Stars. And uh, quite frankly, don't remember anything. I just remember watching it. This is just like the uh, Brian Campbell, RJ Umberger hit. I don't know if you saw that one years ago yes. in, in the playoffs. I mean, that is. I think I think R.J. Umberger had zero zero um, knowledge that he was going to be hit. His head was still not even turned around. Jacob Slavin knew that he was going to get hit, and things when you break it down, 
um, where we can sit here and rewind it 25 times to actually see exactly where the shoulder gets hit and exactly to see, to get our opinion on is this dirty or not dirty you have to realize these things happen within seconds like one one thousand two one thousand bam pop and this is a fast physical game sam bennett um made a clean hockey check that turned out horribly for the opposing player but it was a stiff clean hard check what do you think Florida wants to have? Do you think they want Vegas to win tonight so they can start sooner? Or do you think they want maybe a Dallas win or two to buy a few days to heal up and get settled? Because there's, you definitely want to buy days. You do, right? Because the, the, yeah. well, there's a theory to this, right? Well, listen, I mean, you have your your captain in uh, Alexander Barkov that that uh in in game number three versus Carolina, he only played uh, three fifty one in that game. So he very clearly could not come back. Now, here's the thing. This is the great thing. He was questionable um, last night. He was questionable, but drugs are amazing things. Okay. Drugs are amazing when it comes to uh, the playoffs. Cause you can take stuff, whether you're shooting it in your ass or, or taking it orally, you can take stuff that will numb any pain whatsoever. And you're going to feel like you're Superman. And that's what happens. That's what happens in the playoffs. So for right now, what I would say is um, the Florida Panthers would love nothing more than for Vegas to have to slug through two more games and and just have more games of wear and tear on an extremely, extremely long, long year. So Carol, Florida's going to sit at home. They're going to take care of themselves. They're going to get i guarantee they're going to have nutritionists and the whole shoot match they're going to be eating the right foods they're going to be drinking the right stuff they're going to get the the medical i wonder um, I, I wonder what paul maurice said last night i remember what lindy used to say to guys about you know take care of yourselves be smart bub, you know all that stuff um you know you wonder if they went out and celebrated last night you wonder I don't you think saw, so at all. Man. You saw Keith not at all. there a lot. You don't think they went out and had some beers Absol somewhere? Absolutely not. Really? Okay. Absolutely not. Um, I think that these guys understand the situation that they're in. I and I, I think that there's a many players. I think there's guys like Eric Stahl, who's 38 years old, who's already won a Stanley Cup. I think there's guys like Mark Stahl, 36 years old. I believe, Petey, that there that there is some leadership in this group that are basically saying, listen, we're not celebrating yet, gentlemen. We've accomplished something that's been great. In order to do um, the ultimate, in order to win the ultimate prize, do you think Rod Brennamore, when he won in 2006 with Carolina, who was the captain of that team, do you think he was out celebrating after the conference final and drink, uh, throwing down uh, Wobbly probably Pops? Went to the, he probably went to the gym. I guarantee you went he I, I guarantee you this that he went to ride the bike for 20 25 minutes. I think he did a stretch program. I think he was hydrating as he was doing it. Probably went in and got some treatment on maybe a massage on his body and he went home and he got up and he met the team back at the rink the next day to prepare for a Stanley Cup final. That's what I think Rod Brennamore would have done back in 2006. Well, guess who is watching 
and taking in all that information that Rod Brennanmore and and Glenn Wesley and all of those players back in the day that won in 2006. Guess who was watching it all? Eric Stahl. Eric Stahl. And Eric Stahl is bringing those things to this team right now to say, guys, we haven't won anything yet. Our toughest test is going to be the next series. Let's use this opportunity to get a leg up on a team that's still playing. And that's what I think is happening right now in Florida. There's no, there's no going out and celebrating. There's nothing to celebrate because if you, if you don't win the Stanley cup, it doesn't matter if you got to the conference finals or won the conference finals. It doesn't matter. No one, no one remembers second place. I like Paul Maurice. He was always a coach that I wish I'd played for. I met him. I remember talking to him after, after a morning skate one day here in Buffalo and, what a presence on the guy. I'm happy for him. Almost 30 years he's he's coached in the NHL. He's done an incredible job. Um, a lot of knowledge there. So I just love, I watched him after the game. Kachuk scores that goal. He looks over. He's just absolutely elated. And he sucker punches in the ribs his, uh, his uh, uh, coach standing beside him. Awesome. Loved it. Just like just oh, right in the ribs, guys. Not even guys. Not even looking. Awesome. All right, so that's enough of that. We'll talk about another champion here for a second. You watch that drive to survive on Formula One, the Formula One show, right? You don't really follow Formula One, though, do you? I I no. I watch. I I cannot watch. You know, the I can't races. wait. I can't wait a week. I can't wait. No, listen, they come out, the series drops in March and they drop all the episodes, okay? So all the episodes come out at one time. There's 10 episodes per season, but there's a race every week. Like there's, okay. And I don't like you telling me what they do. Okay, let me tell you what just happened today. I don't want to, I don't want to know. Lewis Hamilton. Is he going to Ferrari? Is he signed with Ferrari? How the fuck did you know that? Did you because know I I am up on this shit. I just don't want it. I don't want to know anything. But I knew I, I know it. Did he sign with Ferrari? He signed a fifty million dollar contract with Ferrari. <laughs> no way! Oh, it's absolutely insane. Is it just are people losing their marbles? Uh, I just am kind of catching up on all this right now. This is, uh, is this breaking news? Yeah, this is, well, in, in formula one world, this is seven time world champion. I mean, he's the greatest formula one race car driver to ever live over only one with over a hundred races, one or seven time world champion or does he just ha- did he just have the greatest car? Listen, it is all about the car. This is the one thing I've realized watching Formula One over the last number of years is I I'm hooked on these guys. I think these guys are incredible. But let me tell you something. I truly believe, and I think you can not even argue with me on this. I truly believe that the car is everything. Maybe. Maybe no, don't, I don't say don't say maybe you you you've watched dri- this more that- than anything. Max Verstappen, okay, is a very good driver, but if he was in Austin Martin car, 
Austin wouldn't be Martin Max Verstappen. Austin Martin has a good car this year. Not as good as Red Bull, but... You get what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. It's the car. Mercedes, for years and years and years, were way, way beyond the other cars. Now, you had... Red Bull, but you also had days where you're of money. drivers. Ferrari has yeah, a you ton that. of money, but the car doesn't get these guys from the back of the grid, and these guys go from like thirteenth to first or second or third. You know what I mean? Like that's that's the car has the ability to pass everybody, but you yes. have the driver to do it. You got to have a driver to do it. Listen, when you've got when you've got F one cars that look like dinky cars, okay, on the track, and you've got F, you've got an absolute monster. A monster car in Mercedes, you're accelerating. You could pass all these guys, no problem. Do you understand? Like it, the car is everything. All of these guys are insanely talented. They've won every race as a kid, moving up to the opportunity to drive in an F1. But then it all comes down. It all, you know, what it comes down to? It comes down to young stars that sign on with uh you know a company in F1 and if they can take that shitty car and still produce those guys get picked off by the big guys Ferrari Mercedes um uh McLaren and Red Bull those guys go and pay they have a different budget and they go and pluck these stars that are driving dinky cars and still producing yeah, that's how it goes. Come on. Anyway, that's amazing. So who's out for, for Ferrari? Probably Sainz. I think so. Yeah. It's huge. Anyway, good for him and his 50 schmilly. Good for him. 50 million. 50 million to drive a fucking race car. That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, After the Whistle, and at Craig Reve 52 at the Instigator76. And you can find us, as you already know, on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, and anywhere else where you can get your podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.